Welcome to New Sound Church's weekly podcast. We are a church located in Palm Beach County, Florida, and we are so glad that you're listening with us. For more information about New Sound Church, you can visit our website at www.newsound.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Good morning. Welcome to New Sound. If you are checking us out for the first time, a special welcome to you. My name is Josh Monty, and I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor, and I'm honored, honored you guys will be here, and, and uh, I guess, um, you watch the news this week? <laughs> so we did a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, if you're just, if you're just new, checking new sound out for the, for the first time, we, on Friday, um, we got that we had come to some agreeable terms for a facility on Southern Boulevard that will become our uh, new permanent church home. It, um, it had at one time been used for uh, entertainment of adults. They, they did a news thing this week. They opened. You can't make this up. And the guy in his Ron Burgundy anchorman, he's like, a local church is trading poles for pews. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, seriously, that was the first sentence. And then he's like, a local church in South Florida is trading lap dances and lingerie for love for the Lord. And I was like, man, we were strong on that, like, alliteration game. Like, we were really, he was like, you can't be mad at him. It was perfect. It was well done. So, yeah, so, you know, so that's kind of where we are on, on, on things. Maybe you, maybe you heard about it, and we're so excited. And, and it's really just, we just feel like we're just in the middle of a miracle because a, a 20-month-old church shouldn't even be having these kinds of conversations and then to be, you know, this close. But I do want, uh, the reason I'm telling you this is, uh, we do need your prayers still. We're, it's, not, it's not over. It's not, it's not done. It's, there's a few things that we've just still got to work through. Like, you know, we got to get the county at a, you know, to uh, give us the okay on everything. We feel like that's going to go great. We feel like those, we've already had some of those meetings already, and we're going to go through there. But you know what I'm excited about is we, let's, let's just let our words, when this goes through, when this is done, I'm, I'm going to get to go down to the county, and um, and I think you guys will be okay with me spending this money. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to write a check for for two hundred and seventy one dollars to the county, and I'm going to fill out a form. And when I f- write that check and I fill out that form, uh, that moment it will kill that adult entertainment license, and it can never be reused again. So which is kind of neat. And I didn't, I figured you guys would be okay with me writing that check because I didn't feel we needed to keep the license. I'm just saying. One of our young guys, he goes, but we can have praise polls. I'm like, that's not a thing. You just made that up. It's not a thing. <laughs> and, and so, um, but then this Wednesday, and if you want to put it in your calendar, um, three o'clock, on Wednesday, I would love your prayers. We're going to go meet with a guy that owns the property behind there, and 
we're praying specifically for some um, for parking. We're going to need more more parking. And um, he he owns 11 acres right behind it, and um, he's got the space available. And and um, but we're just asking God to work on his heart. And and because uh, here's what I, I will tell you, and uh, there is, there is still somebody else at the table that's trying to get the spot, and it is another strip club. And, um, and so we've just been praying, God, just keep opening these doors because we want to be the ones to step through this. And, but I do want to make something pretty clear. This is not about who we're running out. New Sound is all about who we're now going to be able to bring in. And in all of this, this isn't for convenience. I mean, the reality is I don't need a stage. Like, we already have one. Um, I don't, you don't need a chair. You've already got one. Um, this is because... There's a lot of people in Palm Beach County that would never even give a church meeting in a high school a shot. They just wouldn't even try it. I mean, I remember, I mean, guys, I grew up in the South, and when I heard about church plants meeting in high schools, I thought, cult. Definitely, that's how you can tell. It's a cult. But then I was like, yeah, I'll join the cult. Like, whatever. What do you got to lose? I can't imagine how difficult it is in a community that, uh, the Barna Research Group says that Palm Beach County is the number one never-churched community in the United States. That means it's number one in the United States for people that have never even been inside of a church. And we're in the top 10 in the U.S. of total churchless cities. In the top 10. We are, guys, we're just barely behind Las Vegas. And so when you begin to see that, you're going, man, we have got a lot of work to do. So this isn't about convenience. This is a move because we just believe that this is the best opportunity for us, for us to reach the most amount of people with the gospel in the shortest amount of time because I think it matters. You know, one time I was having dinner with um, Christine Kane. She's an evangelist. She travels all over the world. And she told me the story. She said, she started this thing called the A21 campaign. And when we were having dinner together, she was just getting that off the ground. In fact, they had just saved their first girl from human trafficking ever. Um, and she said, you know, I've traveled the world raising money and doing all these things. Um, I had, um, I had, uh, I mean, sacrificed in ways you couldn't even imagine. She said, and, they, and I got the call that a girl had been rescued from Greece and, uh, she said I, she got on a plane and then another plane and then another plane and then got in a car and drove hours and hours to get to this place. And she said, I just had this image because I'd sacrificed so much. I just had this image that the doors were going to fly open like doves would like come up from behind me, like, you know, like a little wind, you know. And like this girl was going to stand up and come running into my arms because she has no idea how much I'd sacrificed to get to her. And... She said she got there and she found out that this young girl, 17 years old, had been forced to uh, be with 100 men a day. And, um, and she said and she walked in the room and that little girl didn't even look up. And she said she walked over and she got down on the ground where the little girl was sitting. And instead of jumping up in her arms and thank you, thank you, thank you, the little girl looked her in the eyes and she said, what took you so long? Because when people are in hell, they don't care what it costs you to come get them out of it. And I'll be honest, I think we could sit here for the next 20 years. We got, it 
it's not about needing a stage. It's not about needing a seat. It's about knowing that there are people that are in hell, and we got to go get them. And I don't think they really care what it's going to cost us to come do that. So I need your prayers. We're going to be stepping into these conversations this week, and we got to figure out the parking thing to make it work. And, um, but I'm, 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 I am happy to report that because of your generosity, and if you're new here to New Sound, you'll know, you can tell anybody that I'm telling the truth. We've never asked you to do anything. We never asked you to give. We just shared with you what, um, shared with you what, what's been on our heart to maybe redeem this space. And um, in, a, in a matter of 24 hours as a church, um, you gave $1.2 million in 24 hours as a 20-month-old brand-new baby church. It's amazing. So I say all that because um, we have all the commitments for the down payment. Like, that's done. So I don't want you feeling like, well, man, this is great, but they're probably going to start some, like, building fund, and I just can't be bringing my friends. We're not going to make it weird. It, God, I, I don't have another way to say it, but he's, he just, it's just, it's amazing. And, and then on Friday, I got a phone call from a friend. She doesn't go to this church. She doesn't even live in this state. But she heard what we were doing. She's heard about um, that this was a strip club. She's heard all that was going on. And she said, Josh, uh, I just prayed about it. I prayed with my family. And here's what we feel like God has put on our heart to do. She said, um, we are going to match dollar for dollar everything that comes in up to $300,000. We're going to match it. She didn't even go, she didn't even live in Florida, guys. And, and, um, and so what I was praying about, I thought, okay, well, how about then as a church, the, in a month, we'll say the, the, the first weekend in November, because I want you to have time to pray about it and think about it. And um, I don't want you to feel any pressure. And the Bible's clear. He's like, don't give out of like compulsion or guilt or any of those things. Do it with a glad heart. Um, but I, that'll give you a month. Just, just pray about it. And the first week and weekend of November, 100% of everything that comes in that week, um, none of it will go to operational expense of just doing church. It'll, it'll all 100% go to that. And then I'll call her and tell her what that is, and she's going to match dollar for dollar up to $300,000. I just think it's amazing. People that aren't even here are believing in what we're doing. And I'll say this. Yeah, give God praise. So we're not going to make it weird. I mean, it just, I just don't want to, I don't want to make it about money. But here's what I will say. If this is your church, as your pastor, I think you ought to put, you, have, you should have seed in that ground. If this is not your church, I want it to be your church. Desperately. Um, but I also know that some of us, we don't, we all can't sit down and write a check for $100,000 or $10,000 or $5,000. Right now, $50 may be it. God doesn't call us to equal amounts, just equal sacrifice. And my family, when we moved here two years ago, we didn't know anybody in Florida. We didn't know what we were doing. We just felt like God called us to this place, and we started this thing with nothing. And God, God has done miracle after miracle after miracle. And I say all that because, listen, I'm a preacher that already put my whole life savings into this thing. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm where some of you are sitting today. I mean, I can't write some big old check, but I can pray, I can sweat, and I can bleed on this thing. And as you are praying about what God might put on your heart for this thing, man, I just think, I, I believe in the words of that song. We're going to take what the enemy meant for evil, and we're going to turn it for good. I just believe that that's going to happen. And, you know, I... And I, so I, I just want you praying about it. And I want you to know that I'm, I'm I mean, I'm, I'm desperately praying about all of it. And I, I want to go into that thing and, and, uh, and I want to see God do amazing things. And people, some, somebody said, well, isn't it going to be too small? I hope so. I hope so. I hope it's ridiculous in there. I hope the fire marshal's like, I'm watching you, boy. I hope so. I'll do 12 services a weekend, though. I don't care. People are like, Oh, man, aren't you going to get tired? Guys, I've spent my entire adult life trying to get people to come sit in a room and let me tell them about Jesus. I'm not digging a ditch across China. I'm preaching the gospel. I'll be fine. That's all I ever wanted to do with my life. And so I think we've got a great opportunity. And, um, and, uh, and just what God, what only God could have done it. And to get that phone call on Friday for a lady to commit to doing something like that that doesn't go here. She won't go to this church. She doesn't go to this church. She doesn't live in this state. It just blows my mind. And, uh, and with all that, I've just had some thoughts um, in, the last, uh, in this last week. And uh, I just want to share with you a couple things. And, um, and um, so I'd love it if you let me pray for you. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing. I just, I feel like we're in the middle of a miracle. Um, but God, I, I just pray that it would never get far from our lips that you are the one that has done all of this. I know who I am down to my bones. I don't deserve to stand up here and preach this message. I do not get to, I do not deserve to get to pastor this church. God, I thank you that your Bible is filled with examples of using regular, ordinary people to do great things so that you get the glory. And so, Father, in all of it today, I pray that you would speak to every heart. Because while we might be excited about a building today and opportunities to grow and reach new people and new communities, God, we also recognize that there are people in here today that are going through hell. They're not excited about a building. They need a touch from you. So, God, I pray that for the next few minutes, we'll give you everything we've got because you gave us everything you had. We love you and we thank you. Bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of miracles because I feel like in a lot of ways, we're in the middle of one. Um, there's no reason that a 20-month-old church should be talking about buying a property. There, there's no reason that we should be doing these things. There's no reason that we should even have this many people. The average church in the United States um, is under 100 people. We are larger now than 99% of the churches in the history of Christianity. The whole history of Christianity. We're in the top 1%. And then you sit back and you go, God, I think we're a part of a miracle, but I think miracles kind of have a bad rap. There's a couple of thoughts on miracles. There's a school of thought that says, hey, God, you had a pretty good run. You know, I mean, you did some pretty miraculous stuff, and 
water to wine and those kind of cool things. But once all the apostles died, like you were pretty much done. You had a good run. And we'll tell good stories about all the things that you used to be able to do. And then there's the group over here that says, you know, God, you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine according to your power that's worked within us. And we love you and we believe you can do all these things. So we believe that you can make the blind see and the deaf hear and lame walk. And we believe you can do all those things. And, and um, typically, you know, with a tambourine or two involved. And so there's like, there's, I think that there is like a, a middle ground that I try to live in because I want to tell you where I live theologically. Where I live is I believe that the God that had the power to create the entire universe that was able to speak your life into existence and to send us his son and gift us with the Holy Spirit, I believe that that same God has the ability to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And so I believe that God can heal your body. I believe that God can fix your marriages. I believe that God can heal your soul. I believe that a moment and a touch by the Holy Spirit can do more than a counselor in a thousand years. I believe that God has been in the miracle business, his whole existence, and I believe that oftentimes... We are in the middle of a miracle, but we don't know how to spot one when we see it. You see, we like sparkly. We like a kid that can't walk standing up and walking around. We, we want to see kind of the fire from heaven. We want to see water walking. We want to see miracles because we've put God in this box of what the miraculous really is. And I think that there's a lot of times where God's doing amazing things. You are in the middle of a miracle and you miss it. Then Matthew chapter 14, we are coming up on the backside of a miracle and we're heading straight in to another miracle. There's only two miraculous events that are mentioned in all four of the gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The one is the feeding of the 5,000 and the second is the resurrection. It's only those two miracles that are mentioned in all four times. Now, you got to think and stop for a second and think about this moment of the feeding of the 5,000. So they only counted the men. So there wasn't actually 5,000 people there. It was more like 15, 20, 25,000 when you count the men, the women, and the children. And all they had to start out was some snack packs. And he was able to take these snack packs and divide them up and feed this entire group of people. And... When we pick up here in the story, this moment, this miracle of tens of thousands of people getting fed has just happened. And the Bible says in Matthew 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Now I want to stop. I think it's worth stopping right there to say that is not what I would have done. So think about it. You do your very first church service ever and 25,000 people show up. You don't just immediately move on from that church service. Like you build yourself a building, you invent TV, and you send Jesus Christ International Ministries all over the world because you had 25,000 people come to church on the very first day. But he said, immediately, I need you to go because there are people that are still hurting. And the reality is we could sit in this crowd forever. Like we could really, we've got space, we could just... If we, if, we, if we fill up these services, we'll just add another one and we could stay here forever. But we know that there's a lot of people that'll never darken the doors of a high school if we don't do something to let them know we're not a traveling road show. We're not a bunch of gypsies that are gonna be here for a little while and then be gone as we pack up all of our stuff into trailers and go home this afternoon. That I believe that to really 
change the community of Palm Beach County and beyond, we're going to have to put some seed in the ground and a stake in the earth and say, this is his from now on. He said, you could sit here in the miracle that's already happened, and I believe that we're sitting in the middle of one, but he said, immediately, there's people that are hurting, get in the boat and go. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there all alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter, with this foolproof test, well, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I don't know how that's a test, but and in the movies, it's always like Jesus always says, come. That's not how he said it. He's like, come, dummy. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him. Oh, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. That's a pretty amazing thing. I mean, right? I mean... Walking on water is a pretty, I mean, I don't, I mean, we have, I haven't had a conversation with everybody individually, but I would venture to guess that you've never actually had the opportunity to walk on water. It's an amazing thing. And I've heard a thousand sermons on that particular thing, you know, depending on what church you grew up in. He's like, and then he said, all ye of little faith, amen and amen. Or if you grew up in the church I come up in, he said, and then Jesus said, get out of the boat, And the other 11 uh, never got the opportunity to trust God. Uh, Touch your neighbor right now and say, get out of the boat. Uh, Get out of the boat. Uh, Now, listen, don't touch your neighbor right now. They did not come to church today to get felt up by you. You leave them alone. Some of y'all always quick. As soon as I say touch your neighbor, you're always like, "Mm." stop it. And while I love that moment of, The story, I don't think that that was the miracle. Now, I'm a church nerd, so there is a book that came out in 325 B.C., and it's called the Historica Ecclesiastica, which means the history of the church. And it was written by a guy named Eusebius, and Eusebius makes the statement in this book that... um, the, the Gospel of Matthew was written by a guy named Levi that Jesus changed his name to Matthew. The Gospel of John was written by a guy named John who became uh, the apostle that would give us uh, the letters of John and Revelation and would be exiled on the island of Patmos. Luke was a doctor writing to a man named Theophilus, which I don't even know if Theophilus was a real man or if that was just a statement because Theo means God and Philo means lover, and so his name literally meant lover of God. So he's writing the book of Acts and the book of Luke to this lover of God. And he's a doctor. He's a researcher. He didn't walk with Jesus. He, he didn't spend time with Jesus. He was a historian after the fact doing investigative reporting to figure out exactly what was going on. But then Mark, the early church fathers were in agreement that the book of Mark was actually written down by a guy named John Mark. And John Mark was actually writing down the accounts of Peter. 
Simon. Simon Peter, who the Catholic Church called the first pope, who Jesus said, Petros, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That what we find uh, is that when you're reading the gospel of Mark, you are reading the sermons and the story and the viewpoint of Peter. So you tracking me? So when you read Mark, you're actually reading John. That's Peter. Cool. Let's keep going. So we go to Mark chapter 6, and it's the same moment. It's the same story. Um, the same thing has happened. The 5,000 have just been fed. The miracle has happened. Now, I want you to remember, this is Peter's version of the story. Immediately, Jesus makes his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. Okay, so, so far, exact same. Verse 46, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Okay, same, same. Good, good. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. Okay, everything's still good. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. That's a new piece of information. We actually see here that Peter is making it clear to us that Jesus saw how hard they were working. He saw that they were straining, and because the wind was against them, shortly before the dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. And then he gives this other piece of information. He was about to pass by them. He saw how hard they were working, and he wasn't on his way to relieve them from their work. He was on his way to the other side where people were hurting and broken and needed a touch from him. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage at his eye. Do not be afraid. End of story. What? That's the end? But what about the part where Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water? And you just told me this was Peter's version of the story. So you mean to tell me that the only person in recorded history that has ever walked on water left it out of his own autobiography? Isn't that a little weird? Like, you haven't, that's not, that doesn't sound surprising to you? That is not a little puzzling to you? That he left it out of his own story? I wouldn't have left it out. I would introduce myself that way. How you doing? Josh Moni, New Sound Church, Water Walker. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Sorry I was a little late to the meeting this morning, boss. I was trying to take a bath, but I couldn't get wet. You know what I mean? Like, water walker like it was just everything like i would just i would just do it i like i would just go to water parks and just freak kids out i'm like eh, 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 eh. they're like what are you like mm, lazy river what I, or walking trail <laughs> so he leaves it out and it's got to make you scratch your head and say why would peter leave out one of the most significant events in history it's because Peter understood what you and I often miss. When you created water, walking on it is not a miracle. You can do with water whatever you want. The miracle in that moment was 12 guys with different educations and different backgrounds and different thoughts 
on where this ministry ought to go and different ideas about who Jesus was and different ideas about their role in the church and different ideas about what society should be doing and different ideas about religion. Twelve guys with different backgrounds and different families and different points of origin that were all united into one idea that they were sitting in a boat and each of them had an oar in their hand and they were willing to do the work to get from where they were to the people that were hurting and broken on the other side. The miracle isn't walking on water. The miracle is 12 guys working together to reach people for Jesus. Peter didn't leave out walking on water because he didn't think it was significant. Peter left out walking on water because he knew that wasn't the actual miracle. And we are a part of a miracle so often, but we're looking for the spectacular when Jesus is looking for the regular. A group of men and women that are just willing to grab the oar and strain. And I wonder how many people in our lives are still near to us but far from God because we just haven't taken the opportunity to put an oar in our hand. The miracle isn't water walking. It's the team coming together. In 1 Kings, it says, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there's so many of you. So you gotta know that there was a drought going on. They were trying to make it rain. And these prophets of, of a false god had been offering rituals and sacrifices to their God to try to make it rain. And the prophet Elijah is watching this whole spectacle. It's been a drought for a long time, and they find themselves on a mountain. Days walk from water. They took the bull, verse 26, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. Verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. I like this. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Or he's busy traveling. Which is so funny. Sarcasm's a gift. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Got to keep your sword sharp. So they shouted louder. So that somebody, so he's making fun of them. They don't know they're making fun of them. So he was like, shout louder. Maybe he's like on vacation or something. And like one of them looked at the other and was like, Bill, you know what? He's right. And so the next verse says, so they shouted louder. <laughs> Wake him up. Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying until the time for evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes, descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water. Pour it on the offering and on the wood. Okay, And he says, do it again. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it the third time. The water ran down the altar and even filled the trench 
verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil and licked up the water in the trench. I've heard a hundred sermons on this text. and We always preach about the miracle of the fire. When you created fire, you can make it come from wherever you want it to. My question for you, church, is where'd the water come from? They're in a drought on a mountain. I don't know if you've seen water running up mountains lately. But it's typically at the bottom of the mountains, not the top of them. There's no water. And he says, take your water and pour it out on these rocks. Take the thing that you had brought for you. Take the thing that is symbolic of your trust in you and your ability to take care of your family. Take the thing that you had brought to provide for you and for your family. And I want you to pour it out on the rock to make God's name famous in this place. The miracle wasn't fire from heaven. The miracle was a group of people willing to take the thing that they had brought for themselves and instead pour it out on the rock to make Jesus' name famous, to make God's name famous in the world. We like fire from heaven. God likes water on rocks. We like water walking. God likes people with oars in their hands. And he looked at Peter and he said, Petros, Peter, On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But it's not going to change until you commit to getting an oar in your hand and pouring your water out on the rock. Had a couple of thoughts today as I thought about what this would mean for us as a church, not just in this season, not just in the season of the the opportunity for a facility or any of those things, but, but for us, for me and for you, as we step into what God has for us in our families and in our places of work and in our community. I think the first thing that you're gonna have to do if you really wanna see this miracle take place is number one, I have to give value to what I have in my hand. I got to give value to what I have in my hand. See, it's really easy to play the comparison game where you say, well, I mean, I couldn't really do anything because, I mean, I, I couldn't, I can't write a big check or I don't have those kind of resources. God's not asking you to uh, measure up against somebody else's sacrifice. He's just asking you to look down and place some value into what's already in your hand. He goes to Moses and he says, listen, I've heard the cry of my people. Uh, it's time to set them free. There's a problem. And then Moses is pretty nervous about the concept because he says, how in the world are they going to trust this stuttering sheep herder from the backside of the desert? And God asked him this question in Exodus chapter 4. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? And what if they say the Lord did not appear to you? Then he said to them, to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it, which is a fantastic move. 
And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, I want to say something about that. That's the worst place in the world to grab a snake. The mouth side is on the other side, which means it can come around and bite you. But I would say a couple of things. One, that Moses didn't have to go have some, he he didn't need to go find some other thing to bring to the Lord to let the Lord use to make his name famous. He just had to take what he already had and offer it over. And the next thing that he had to do is he had to be obedient with the instructions that he was given. Because the Bible says he reached down, he took it by the tail, and it came back to being a staff. And I think that for some of us, though, and this might be a word for somebody in this place, we really like the idea. We like to see ourselves as the staff. And we love the idea of being uh, part of the supernatural, part of something big. Um, I just wonder how many of us are comfortable if God ever uses us in a season, but then needs to take us by the tail and let us just become a staff for a little while. Some of us are not serving in the local church and are not a part of doing any of that because you had been a part of the supernatural and now you feel like you're a staff and you won't tolerate being seen that way. And it's all fine and good to be the snake on the ground, but I'd rather be a staff in the hand of the Father than a snake on the ground doing it my way. So I've got to give some value to what I have in my hand. And the second thing I would tell you is, I'm going to take steps now because there's no perfect time. Like now. I want everybody to do me a favor. All right, This, this will be a good little exercise. Okay, We're going to try this. We're going to all do this together. Okay, All right, on the count of three, we're all going to serve God tomorrow. Ready? You with me? On the count of three, we're all going to serve God tomorrow. Right? One, two, three. Oh, nothing happened. Oh, you mean you can't do anything about tomorrow? You mean that there's absolutely nothing that you can do to affect the world tomorrow? I think we're putting off impact and life change for a day that's not coming in a situation that's never going to show up. The reality is it's probably going to come at your most inconvenient time. I'll tell you, it wasn't convenient for my wife and I to pack up four little bitty kids, put them into a car with everything that we own, and move to a city where we didn't know anybody. It wasn't the right time. But I was having a conversation with a friend this week, and he asked me this question. He said, do you think that we're in the last days? Do you think that maybe this is the end of it all? And I said, I don't know if we're in the last days. But I know for a fact that you're in yours. And the Bible says that our life is a vapor. We're here. It's a mist. Why are you putting off your impact for a day that's never going to show up? You're always going to have kids. You're always going to have schoolwork. You're always going to have commitments. You're always going to have practice. You're always going to have these. It's never going away. And we're giving away years and years of impact, waiting for a moment that's not coming. The trick of the devil of hell is to get you to believe that your blessing is always in the season that is coming. You've heard me say this. When you're in middle school, you can't wait to get to high school. When you're in high school, you can't wait to get to college. When you're in college, you can't wait to get out. Because you think, now, nobody will tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. And then you realize, no, now everybody can tell you what to do. 
And you can't wait to get married. And then you can't wait to have kids. Then you can't wait for the kids to start doing something. Because let's all be honest. Babies are very anticlimactic. Then you can't wait for them to stop doing things. Then you can't wait for the babies to leave. And then you pray every day because you can't wait for them to come home. And the trick of the devil of hell is to get you to believe that your blessing is always in the season that's coming so that you will spend your entire life living one step behind the blessing that God has for you. It's now. It's today, not tomorrow. We give yesterday too much power and tomorrow has none. Today is the only day that you can do something with the gifts that you have, with the talents that you've been given. Today is your day to pour your water on the rock. Today is your day to grab your oar. Because there's never a simpler time coming. I talk to some of these young people sometimes. They're like, I just got to take a break, Pastor. I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm like, from what? Just Tuesday? It's just Tuesday. This is the simplest your life is ever going to be. So I got to take steps now. Number three. I'm going to stop using my past as an excuse. And start seeing it as a resume. Yeah, I get it that you've been through some stuff. Like, the divorce it was messy and we can pretend like we that never happened and we can pretend like we never had that season or we can come alongside some young couples and we can help them not go through what we went through and every time we keep a young couple from going through what we went through we redeem that dark moment of our life listen gam gam i know you got some white hair now but we know you was getting crazy in the clubs back in the day in the discotheques isn't that what they were doing disco i don't know it was a skating rink for me. Anybody ever go to the skating rink? Anybody ever tried to pick up a girl on skates? That's a tough game. That is a slippery slope, literally. You really got to be careful. Lost a lot of good men out there. Listen, I get that you got some white in your hair now, but we know you was acting crazy back in the day. We can pretend like that season never happened or we can come alongside some young people and make sure that they never do the things that we did. I love the Bible because it is the story of God taking regular, broken, and ordinary people and using them in, in, not, like, in, in spite of their past and sometimes even because of it. Because they had a grace that other people didn't have. They had a compassion that other people didn't carry. David was an adulterer. Moses killed a man with his bare hands. Paul killed Christians. Peter was a liar. And yet when you read Hebrews, they call them the heroes. Because let's be honest, outside of Jesus... We're all a mess. He looks at Noah. He searches the whole world. He's like, you're the only guy I got, Noah. You're the man. I'm going to bring a flood. We're going to start over. You're the man, Noah. And then Noah got on a boat with his family. Sometimes spending extended periods of time with your family makes you want to drink alcohol. I'm not condoning it. It's just, it's in the Bible. 
And Noah gets out from being in the car on a road trip with his family for about a year. And the first thing he does, he didn't build a house. The Bible says he just planted some grapes. He just sat there. Mm. He didn't make jelly. Mm -mm. The Bible says he made wine. And then he passed out drunk and naked in his own tent. Put that on your nursery mural. (laughs) Mom, why is that guy that looks like Uncle Larry not wearing any pants next to a boat filled with animals? Well, it's the Bible, honey. (laughs) The problem is uh, we quit teaching at the rainbow, right? I mean, God looks down. He's the best guy that God had in the whole world. And the first chance he got, drunk and naked. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you've ever not told the truth, if you've ever hurt somebody's feelings, maybe if you've ever been naked in a place that you weren't supposed to, sounds like God could actually use you. Quit using it as an excuse. Hey, can I say this too? Quit using like church stuff as an excuse. Like, I'm a pastor, I just can't greet anymore. I can't hold the door open. Why? Can't wait to hear. So much church hurt. It's got the church hurt, Pastor. I'm filled up with the church hurts. People hurt my feelings. I'm like, geez, oh Pete. That's a made up name. Just get in the game. Just get in the game. Hey, spoiler alert. As long as people are involved in the church, it's going to be messy. I just can't, I just don't know if I can give them a second chance, preacher. Listen, I get people have made stupid mistakes. I get it. I mean, just, I get it. Pastors have made stupid mistakes. But there's not another area of your life that you would let somebody else's mistakes rob you of your purpose and power. But if I was the devil, I would trick you into saying, hey, I got hurt 20 years ago by a guy that doesn't even preach anymore. And so now I'm going to let that rob me of my purpose and potential for the rest of my life. I get it. But you got to get in the game. Church, church is a mess, but it's just people. And we'll take you with your mess if you'll take us with our mess. I don't want to give away any more time in my life where I could be stepping into my purpose and my potential. The miracle wasn't walking on water. The miracle was 12 guys working together from different backgrounds and different thoughts. The miracle wasn't fire from heaven. The miracle was people pouring their water, the thing they had brought for themselves, out on the rock to make God's name famous. 2 Corinthians 9 says, remember, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each one should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion. That's why we say it the way we say it every week. I'm not asking you to serve. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody into serving or giving or doing any of those things. 
The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And look at this. And he's able, God, to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, that you will abound in every good work. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time for the church to rise up in South Florida. I think God's going to do it in South Florida, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the statistics say that it shouldn't happen. The math says that this should be the last place in our country where a church stepped in, steps into a space like the one we're going to step into and grows and reaches a community for the gospel. I believe that God's going to use South Florida because he likes to pick unlikely people in unlikely places so that he gets all the credit and the glory. But it's time for the church to rise up. But it's not going to happen with oars laying on the ground and the water in our jars. We've got to say, God, show me how to pour my water on the rock, my gifts on the rock, my time on the rock, my resources on the rock. God, show me where I can grab an oar and work. And I love that we have this gifts-based ministry where it's always like, oh, we're going to find your sweet spot. We say that in the church all the time, sweet spot. We're going to get you in your sweet spot where you're a 10. We're going to get... But then Jesus looked at Peter and he said, hey, Peter, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They're going to call you the first pope. You're going to be really celebrated. You're going to be a super big deal. Oh, yeah, by the way, hand out these snack packs and row that boat. Because I do believe that you have a primary ministry that God created you for. But you know where your secondary ministry is? Wherever there's a need. Wherever there's an oar laying on the ground. Because I believe this church. I believe it with everything inside of me. Our community, when there are young women and young men that are hurting and in pain and outside of a relationship with God, when we finally get to them, they're not going to really care what it cost us to get there. They're just going to wonder what took us so long. We didn't move here to play church. We moved here to preach Jesus, redeem families, and see the greatest two miracles that you get to see this side of heaven. The forgiveness of sins and the saving of souls. God has and will continue to be in the miracle business. But he's looking for a church with empty jars and calloused hands. And if we'll do that, I believe that we'll bring hope and healing, not just to this region. But I think people are going to have to look up and go, if God could do it through them there, he can do it anywhere. Why not us? And why not right now? Why not South Florida? I saw a lady post when all this mess came out on the news and they're talking about the building. She goes, well, there won't be new sound of Wellington anymore. I didn't write I wanted to. Like, lady, I was never new sound of Wellington. We knew sound of Palm Beach. We knew sound of South Florida. We knew sound of Florida. I'll be new sound of Sheboygan. I'm new sound everywhere, everybody that doesn't know Jesus. Like, you're the one that got all hopped up about new sound Wellington. We knew sound everywhere. And I think God's just waiting. I think he's just waiting for somebody to rise up. So why not us? 
pour your water on the rock. And let's see what God does. There are a bunch of ordinary, regular people like us that are going to be sure to give him all the glory for it. As we close, I want to invite you, for some of you that are new here, I'm going to pray here in just a moment. And maybe for some of you, you need some prayer. There'll be people down front that would love to pray for you. For some of us today, we came prepared to, to give, return the tithe or give an offering. And you know we'll never ask you to give. That's just not our game. We'll just unashamedly ask you to pray and ask God what he would have you do. And I hope you'll be praying about the next few weeks about this facility and be praying for us as we take some of these steps. For some of you, I pray that you would actually make the decision to stick around for a few minutes and go to explore. It lasts 30 minutes, and that's, it's really been designed to help you figure out how to grab the ore. It's really been designed to kind of help you start taking steps to figure out where you might be able to make a difference, not just in this church, but just in this community. So we encourage you to do that. And then we're going to worship for just a moment, and we'll get you out of here. This is always the worst part of my week because I don't want to stop talking. But the cool thing is, if we get our own space, we can really make the service as long as we want. <laughs> you better bring a lunch. <laughs> touch your neighbor right now. No, don't touch your neighbor. Stop it. Stop it. Some of you guys are real quick on that. I'm glad you were here today, and, and I'm going to pray for you, and our ushers are going to come. And, uh, man, if you fill out those connection cards, man, I pray for those cards every day myself. I'd love to be praying for you and for your family. And, and um, I want to thank you for being here and hope we'll get to see you and explore um, in just a few minutes. But right now, I'd love to pray for you. Father, we thank you for today. Church, right there, um, I just believe that uh, for each one of us, I think we've, we've, kind, of, uh, we've kind of kept... our potential and the opportunities that God could maybe use us, we've kind of kept it at bay, maybe for a little too long. Maybe we didn't value the thing that was in our hand. We didn't really believe that we could really make a difference. Or maybe for some of us, it's really, we just didn't, um, we've just been waiting for like all of these stars to align and maybe to be the right time. And God, we just recognize today, there's no right time. We just want to do what we can for you today. God, for some of us, we recognize that we've just been sure that our past should prevent us from doing something for you we've seen it as a liability instead of a resume God take those things that we've tried to hide from the world take those things that make us feel ashamed and instead show us how you could use those things to bring you glory and honor and to heal the people that are in our lives God, for every prayer request and for every connection card, for every person in this room. God, I pray that as we respond today to what you're putting on our hearts, God, that we wouldn't just have a moment in a service, but today would be the day that we pour our water on the rock, that we grab our oar, maybe for the first time, and we're going to go shoulder to shoulder with the people in this room to see your name lifted up in Palm Beach County. God, we love you, and we thank you for today. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for listening to New Sound Church's weekly podcast. 
If your life has been impacted by today's message, we would love for you to share your story with us by emailing story at newsound.church. Join us again next week for another inspirational message from New Sound Church.